Welcome to The Rodcast with Rod Turner, the show all about real estate. We discuss everything that affects asset-backed businesses, investments, and go deep into the details with some of the best in the business. Hi guys, my name is Manjan Bhattacharya. I've been investing and developing uh, properties for the last 30 years. Uh, I love doing commercial property and uh, I'm going to be sharing with you my picks uh, from the upcoming uh, auctions. Stay tuned. Hi everybody, my name is Jay Howard. Uh, I've been in auctions for uh, about 13, 14 years, property for 18. First property I ever brought was a commercial property. Uh, it may have blown up, but it never stopped me from loving commercial property. So um, you'll see that from the lots that I present here. Um, really looking forward to discussing um, where the opportunities lay in this market and where there are some massive pitfalls. So looking forward to chatting with everybody. So my name is Piotr and I'm uh, the auction specialist at Hamad and we basically uh, sell properties for clients and we maximize the sale of the uh, of, of our clients' properties and our own properties in auctions. I noticed that in all the auctions there's an awful lot of banks. Um, this could be obviously to do with the news that HSBC will be closing, I think, 180 stores over the next few years. Um, and in general, the high street retail banks are going to reduce their number of stores. So I imagine that's what's caused a lot of landlords to think, God, let's get rid of it while we can. Um, this one caught my eye. It's, it's a really beautiful building. It's a corner plot, which we know uh, if you've been listening to some of these episodes before that Ranjan loves a corner plot as well. Um, gives you a lot of frontage on the high street. Um, it's, it's, it goes back, um, it goes quite deep. So it actually takes up, I think it's two, maybe three um, titles. So there's the white buildings behind the front. Um, it's located in Sudbury. It's lot 20 of the Allsop Commercial Auction. And the address is 43 to 46 Market Hill. So it's currently got a HSBC as the tenant in there, taking up the whole building, about 430 square metres. So it's a decent size. It's over basement, ground first and second floor. And as I said, completely rented to HSBC. And I think it's got five years remaining on the lease. Two years, just two years, under two years. Two years remaining on the lease. And HSBC do have an opportunity to take a further 15-year lease on it. That could be a potential problem because it's essentially a rent review at that point in time. And if the market's gone down which it probably has for, for that at the moment. And in 2022, in a year's time, uh, well, it's, it's almost two years' time. It's going to be November 2022. So it just depends on what your outlook is for that. It's currently guided at a 10.67% yield. So again, that caught my eye. Decent kind of covenant in there, but only for a couple of years. So really, I'd be looking at what else can I do with this that's going to be over and above uh, the value that HSBC bring when they're in it at the moment. And if you look at the building, you've got the upper floors um, where you've got a considerable amount of space. Um, it, it's, it's an obvious option would be to turn those upper floors into residential. Mm. Um, probably wouldn't include that front part of the building, which is the listed mm. part. Mm. Um, 
just because I think you'd, you'd struggle to get some of the permissions. It might be quite tricky. You could definitely go up on it. Um, but I think the other problem you've got with this is the price, um, is the cost that it's going to cost to actually do that. So in this area, which is in Suffolk, Sudbury, you've got four apartments around this area, about 2,700 per square metre is an end value. So building that, you're going to be hopefully a bit cheaper than that, but also you've got to factor in the land price. So it might make your margins slightly tighter. It's in a great, it is in a great location. I think it would really suit offices though on those upper floors. I think it's unlikely you're going to find a tenant who wants the entire building because it is quite large, unless you look at putting it all into offices. But I imagine that corner plot would be really well suited to restaurant, uh, something like that as well. So the way I look at it is it's yielding well to start with for the next two years. And there's opportunity to repurpose that as well for a slightly higher value as long as you can any works are not going to cost you too much and there's not a huge amount to extend on it it's more internal works um which should bring that build cost down so that's why i thought it was an interesting pick nice looking building really good part of the town so right in the center of the town um lots of frontage for an occupier so in the great scheme of things I know the high street isn't doing well, but it's these sort of buildings which will be the first ones to get tenants, uh, get new tenants in. They will attract uh, those sort of tenants over your bog standard um, retail premises. Brilliant. When you first shared this lot, I I was really excited because I had I saw the Sudbury and then the hill and the Sudbury Hill. That's really good area, but it's this Sudbury and it's a market hill, (laughs) and it's not the one in. it's not, it's not the one near Twickenham, which is exactly the, exactly what happened to me. I thought, oh, somebody, that's nice. <laughs> that's right. So I, I guess uh, you need to be aware of the location of it. Um, yeah. Yeah, there are a few of those, aren't there? There's Kingston in Hull. <laughs> and there's a Regent Street in Liverpool. <laughs> you can get well confused. But yeah, go on. <laughs> and there's a Kensington in Liverpool as well. Yes. <laughs> I think there's a Hayes in Kent or something like that, isn't there? It's, uh, <laughs> I always think, oh, hey, that sounds all right. A bit of a uh, bit of Middlesex, a bit of Northwesty sun. It really. There's is. only one Grimsby. <laughs> there is. <laughs> There's no Grimsby in a corner of Knightsbridge anywhere. <laughs> no, that's brilliant. Well, I guess that's that's the number one thing uh, to be uh, to do a bit of an in-depth research on the property rather than just go by the uh, by the first impression. So I do like the building. Uh, I think. Um, the location, I mean, it's got kind of three parts to it uh, because uh, obviously you've got the white part, then you've got the listed part, and then you've got this white part. So uh, I, I think you can kind of split it into three. You can even split the title and, and kind of resell it. And then this bit, it's, it's, it's good because it's uh, on the ground floor. It's got kind of void. So it's only on the ground floor. And I think possibly the first floor, mm. but uh, there's a lot of space in there that could be utilized possibly. Yeah, I think, I think when you look at what the rent is on a square foot base, and then you start looking at what the different kind of occupiers in that area 
are paying. So obviously it's it's on a kind of retail right? If you started looking at offices, if you started looking at restaurants, and like you said, you can split it up because it is a, it's a big size for That's a small town. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, it, I mean, I think I think once, again, this, this is fairly dependent on what's going on with the high street and footfall and all that sort of stuff, but you are looking at a really good location within that town centre. Yeah. I agree. You're looking at a very nice-looking building and once people are moving out, and I just think a restaurant, a cafe, a Costa Coffee, Starbucks type thing, or a, a, ni- a nice restaurant would be perfect in that listed area. And then you could do really whatever you want with the with the two white buildings, residential on the uppers, something on the ground floor. I mean, I think there's, what I like is there's good options um, and mm. there's several of them. One thing yeah. I'm a bit upset by is that I missed this one. <laughs> um, I think it's great for a couple of reasons. Uh, first of all, um, you, you know, we've got a couple of HSBC uh, bank branches in our portfolio. And the important thing when you're buying any commercial property is to figure out in COVID, are they paying their rent? Yes or no. Here you're letting to HSBC PLC. Um, they can't play any uh, silly games. They have to shut down HSBC PLC in order to get out of their rent pretty much. They have been paying um, regularly through the pandemic, so there's no issues there. The other great thing about this is that it's got two years left on the lease. They ain't going to renew, guaranteed. They're going to shut that down. They're not going to renew. Renew. So what that means is you've got two years of cash flow to figure out what you're going to do with it. And that's what's so beautiful about it, because so many times you pick up a development deal and you've got to fund the damn thing when it's empty, when you're waiting for planning, waiting for this, waiting for that. You don't have to do any of that. You've got cash flow, great yield coming in, probably enough to finance the thing as well, uh, while you figure out what to do with it. And the, the beauty of a lot of these bank buildings is that when they were first built, they were built to be prestige. You know, we are safe for your money. They wanted to convey all of that. And they had a lot of stone frontage and they looked solid because that's what they wanted to display to their customers. Put your money here. We're solid. And that's why those, a lot of these bank buildings are in prime spots within a high street parade. And they also look like fantastic, solid buildings. So that bit, I mean, just looking at that street view, the vacancy rate seems relatively low because it's right at the center of that parade. You're in the center of the action in a fantastically looking build. It's a landmark building in that area. No one can miss it. So that's why it will easily let to alternative uses um, you know, and, you know, we, we, I'm predicting a roaring 20s when we get out of COVID. Everyone's going to want to go out and, and do all of that sort of stuff. So uh, there's going to be no problem in letting the listed bit as a commercial element. And you've got these lovely buildings that flank it, which are so ripe for residential conversion. Um, it's great. What makes you think that HSBC is definitely not going to renew? Well, it's just a guess about the overall thing about banking. They're shutting their branches down left, right yeah. and centre. And basically, uh, bank, banks and betting shops, they used to be stalwarts in, in commercial landlords' portfolio because once you've got them as tenants, they pay and they're there forever. And those landlords haven't traditionally sold. They're selling now because there's two years left on the lease. They bought that property. A lot of those landlords bought those buildings for security of cash flow. They don't, they're not interested in PD. They're not interested in development. They only bought it because it's stable cash flow. And now that that stable cash flow is ending, 
it's not in their remit to develop out or do anything. Mm. So they're looking at selling it while they can. That's really. a really good point because, and this, this will come up time and again at the moment, where it's the type of landlord that owns it. Often these types of buildings are bought in SIPs, uh, SIP pensions as well. And these will be pensioners now that own the property that really don't want to have to go through the palaver of not just redevelopment or change of use, but also just a change of tenant. They've had it so good in terms of what they bought it for, which was, like Ranjan saying, is security of income. They didn't have to lift a finger. They didn't have to do anything. And suddenly, oh, right, we, we could be losing this tenant. We've got to change tenants. That is not in their remit at all to have yeah. to deal with something. It is very much a passive or as passive an investment as you can get in property is what a lot of them were investing in rather than a direct investment where you're a bit more involved in the in the day-to-day -day stuff when uh, the poo hits the fan, so to speak. <laughs> Although what, what we would see is actually that's an opportunity, but a lot of these owners, current owners now, um, do not have the appetite for that. So let's let's move on to our predictions. What this will sell for, and what uh, what would you pay for it? Start with Ranjan, because he might be the closest. The thing is, these properties do sell on a yield basis, and a lot of the yield um, is at the higher end of the scale, where where values end values are a little bit lower, and um, the length of perceived length of time to rent out the commercial unit will be higher or longer, I should say. Um, so I don't know those. I've never even been to this town. <laughs> but I would say that it would go for, I think, it's, isn't it down at more than 10% yield at the moment? It yeah. is 10.47%, yeah. Um, I, I think someone will grab it at around the 8% level with the development potential that it's got and the three years cash flow to think about it. 600, that is, Ranjan. Okay. And what would you pay for this? Um, it's a cracking deal. It's outside of my geographic area, so I wouldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so unsold if Ranjan was the only bidder. Okay, you're not? So I, I agree. I, I actually think it will... I think Ranjan's um, chat about 8% is kind of <clears throat> where I'm coming from. But mm -hmm. I, think it, I think at the moment there's a bit of a, a need for yield. And I do think those, those yields that maybe we're used to and people have been used to over the past few years are going to start to come down and start to get squeezed. Mm -hmm. I would be expecting this to go a bit higher than that. Um, I personally would probably pay between 550 and 575 for it. Okay. Um, I think it will probably go in the sixes, um, maybe not as high as 650, but towards that. And mm -hmm. I think it's really going to suit someone that has a very solidified plan of what they're doing with it in the case that HSBC does not increase that rent. Because the worst case scenario that I would be looking at is what happens if HSBC do want to stay and that rent review is triggered at a time when the market is at its bottom and actually that yield comes down a bit. So that's how I would be looking at. I haven't seen the lease. It might be upward only. It is. Okay, so that's a bonus. So I would, yeah, I, I would be looking at that as my worst case. So it's, I think, however, I think like, going higher than that guy. 
Sorry. I think that upward only kind of uh, there's a lot of upward only lease, uh, leases. However, there's a lot of tenants who also bully their landlord to take a lower rent, even though there's an upward rent review. And I think with HSBC, it could be a similar thing. They might turn and might say, well, we don't really want to exercise uh, this, uh, uh, this option, but if you offer us 35K rent, uh, we will take there, another there is, That's a good thing, because what you want is who, the current setup being your worst case scenario. Yeah. They come but, back and then you've just got an easy option of getting rid of them and saying no. Yeah. There is a difference between a rent review and a lease renewal. So we're talking about, we're not talking about a rent review, we're talking about the end of a lease. Yeah. You're only obliged to offer a renewal at the market rent. They are within the act though, aren't they? On this? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Mm -hmm. But the, there's more opportunity to bully at a rent review than a lease renewal. Yeah. Um, but go for it, yeah. Okay, brilliant. Jay, why are you producing? I, th I think this will probably sell uh, at a, probably a tidy 7%. I think someone will go the extra distance uh, because there's clear potential for, for, for uplift. Um, I think if HSBC were to want to, to, to take out a new lease, you'd probably reduce the, the area of the building that they take in line with that in line with that so you'd probably take back one or both of the white buildings and just put them in the, the banking forecourt over the those floors yes at least that's what i would look at doing um but i think i would probably be in probably you know fraud's value at 550 is would probably be my absolute maximum um but i think it will probably sell to someone with with um a little bit so little basically bit you're saying it was gonna sell for, it's gonna sell for 685 Seven percent. Okay, I'm saying it's going to sell for between six sixty and six eighty. Okay, six sixty six eighty. But that's because we've banged on about it as well and put it out out there. <laughs> Two hundred grand above guide. Wow. Okay. Okay, brilliant. Well, I'm 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 a, I'm of an opinion that it's going to sell for eight percent yield. So I'm a, I'm in the six hundred k as as Ranjan, but I would only pay four seven five for it, which is the reserve price because the guy just uh, said as a as a range. So super conservative from Piotr, isn't it? He drives a hard bargain. He really does. <laughs> I am uh, saving my money for this one. So okay. this is the second property we're looking at. This is a. Flat, flat C, nine Rosary Gardens in South Kensington, SW7. Uh, so it's really kind of Knightsbridge now. Uh, this is a one bedroom, first floor, first and second floor split level flat with 11 months left on the lease. And it's being sold by the mortgagees in possession and the guide price is 46,000 plus. So basically, this is a property that was uh, held on a 65-year lease from 1956, and it's got 11 months unexpired. Uh, so basically, it will be less than 11 months. Uh, by the time you complete on this, it will be actually nine months left. So now, why this lot picked my interest? Because it's extremely cheap. It's basically 46K for one bedroom flooding in South Kensington. Is very little and uh, I was interested what actually happens when the lease comes to an end and I researched it 
and then I worked out that when this lease actually ends, what happens is the freeholder, if the free, the, 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 the basically the obligations are on the freeholder. So the freeholder needs to serve a notice and the notice is, uh, it might be to gain possession, but uh, imagine how difficult it is to get an AST tenant out if you want them out. Like it, it is very difficult. It's even more difficult to get a leasehold tenant like this out if you have freeholder. There are only several reasons that the landlord can use to gain possession of the property, but the most uh, preferred kind of way of for the uh, for the courts or like for the for the leasehold act to to uh, to deal with it is the tenant if they occupy this property as their own home, the landlord the freeholder has to offer them or doesn't have to offer them but it kind of the preferred with this, they need to be offered a short hold tenancy, which is the registered tenancy. And uh, that means they could stay in this property for the lifetime, as long as they occupy it as their own home. And the rental income, so the rental uh, value of the property would be determined by the, the, the government, the rental register. And these are the, some of the rents that are being paid in Kensington and Chelsea. Uh, flat four Unslow Gardens, 7,540 per year. Uh, another one, which is just under 5K per, per year. So basically that's what could be possible if you buy this property and occupy this as your own home uh, at the end of the lease and the landlord's basically would have to get you out in in some way so i think there's a way if someone lives in it as their own home there's a way of making money otherwise it's a money pit sorry can i just get something straight here um, <clears throat> we normally um promote investing in property and being a landlord and you're saying basically buy a property to be a tenant and that's the way to get the best outcome what i'm saying what I'm saying, if you're a first-time buyer, this could be a lifetime opportunity. <laughs> Literally, and remember, be in there remember, for your life. Um, I, remember that these regs, these regs also have some of them have survivorship clauses. So if if you if you're in there on, on a regulated tenant and you have a child that lives in the property, if you pass away, that child can survive that regulated tenancy. I would definitely want to do a bit more homework on this. In terms of has has is the notice no. has that been served already? Uh, would no. be the first question. Um, That's a good point. Uh, I then, understand it hasn't. Then the other the other thing to consider is the new leasehold rules with marriage value and everything like that that look to be coming in will likely not be in sort of. In the, in the next nine months, put it that way, it will likely take a, a year or two to kind of come to fruition. But there could be an option where it's if you can hold on in that time, there could be a benefit there, which is actually not quite priced in at the moment. Um, again, it depends on the time frame of which uh, it would cost to get you out. I, I The whole issue about it, it being for owner occupiers is, is a big one. Um, I think people need to be fully aware that you can't 
buy it, sublet that out uh, to someone else, paying a regulated tenancy or something like that, um, which is a, is a definite no-no. Um, it's very, very interesting. I, I, I'm not convinced that these freeholders don't do this quite often. And if it's somewhere like this, I don't know who the freeholder is, but I imagine they own an awful lot of freeholds and this isn't their first rodeo when it comes to... Do you think in 1956 they set up themselves a reminder to uh, set a, serve a notice in uh, 2021? A hundred percent. Absolutely. <laughs> My knowledge of freeholders that own this sort of <laughs> is they will be all over this. Um, well, if, I was, if I was the freeholder of that block and I wasn't already Granger or Mountview or Pears Group or whoever, the moment that went into a reg, I'd be selling it to Granger, Mountview or Pears because they will pay the premium for to, to run that reg and, and wait till the reg is no longer there and then realise the true value at a higher price. I think it's a bit um, of a myth that this freeholder is some dotty granny um, sitting there who had it since 1955 it's th this is going to be managed by an experienced firm of uh, block management management agents who will know the rules inside out mm. it's, it, especially in that sort of area i think well, it's a it, it is an interesting one to, to, to be honest with you i have a mindset issue issue with this because i my mindset is i want as an entrepreneur i just prefer to find opportunities where you are actually making money from owning something to kind of, it all seems a little bit of taking advantage, trying to take advantage of rules in my I think, mindset. I think, I think, owns the property. I think it's all about it's understanding mindset. rules from both sides. Uh, yeah. Because if you understand it, like everyone has to play by the rules, right? And we don't set the rules, we just need to understand the rules and know how, yeah. how to maneuver in those things and how things affect people from both sides. Because uh, whether you're a freeholder or leaseholder, like sometimes you will be on on the leaseholder side because I'm sure you're a leaseholder in many of the properties that you own, and then in some properties you're a freeholder and then you have a leasehold tenant. So I think the the ones that I'm freeholders on are, tend to be the leases are relatively short, and the ones that I'm leaseholders <laughs> on, <laughs> I'll be long dead and gone before that situation. Uh -huh. Yeah, I, I thought it was just an interesting lot to, to discuss because yeah. uh, like everyone just assumes that at the end of the lease, like the field just takes back the property. And I even thought that like uh, until um, yesterday, uh, but uh, on the on a, on a in the more in-depth research, I found out that it's quite a lengthy process and it actually might take the landlords uh, way more time. Uh, plus, they have to go to courts to gain possession the same way as for uh, NAST. So um, the courts are not the quickest at the moment. So it might take some time. I think, I think if I was going to get it, my, my game plan without doing research on it would, would be buy it, hold out... Um, for the new rules to come in and then start to negotiate a lease extension on, on that and, and look at making value through that way. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want it. You wouldn't want to live in, in Kensington? Uh, not in that, that no. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really worth doing any capital expense to the kitchen, is it? If you don't <laughs> Uh, okay, brilliant. Well, let's let's give some uh, let's give some opinions on what it will sell for.
uh, guide price 46, a, a value with a long lease, approximately 1 million. What do you guys think? What would you pay for 11 months of living in Kensington? I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't pay to do it. Uh, no. You probably couldn't pay me to do it. But um, I think I, because it's a short lease and someone's going to see the price and not understand it, someone's going to pay thinking that this is something it isn't. So I, I think it's probably going to sell for, this is me being extra pessimistic because I've seen it happen so many times <laughs> through the years. I think someone's going to pay something like five or 600,000 for it. I think it's going to go insane. Okay, I'm going to put 500 in your thing. Oh, Just yeah. Thank you. Uh, save it. That presumably takes two people in the auction to have got the wrong end of the stick. Um, I mean, I, I know a, a guy who's a specialist in this sort of area and does, just does short leases in central London, prime London. And I think it's going to be that sort of guy that picks this mm -hmm. up. It's going to be someone who knows the rules inside out and who knows how to extend um, these, uh, the, these, these leases. And they will have, be able to bring certainty to the project because basically they know what they're doing. What's well, going to sell for? I'll, I'll say 55 grand. 55, Ooh. okay. And would you buy this for 55? No, because I don't have a good enough knowledge of what to do Not with it. Not buy, okay. And Ranjan? Listen, I've got no idea. And quite frankly, I've got no idea even how the auctioneers come up with a guide price on these things. <laughs> um, because for the reasons Jay says, um, it can really go for anything. I mean, it may go for three, four hundred thousand. It may just go for, it may not sell. It may just go for a smidgen above. It's impossible to tell. I, I mean, I, I, Jay, when you were in the auction business, did you manage to predict with any accuracy what these short lease type of properties would go for? Not once, no. No, not once. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to put in the spreadsheet, Ranjan doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Can we get that signed and notarised by Ranjan? I've got a scoop <laughs> <laughs> Whatever happens, he owes us 20 quid. Put it up. <laughs> <laughs> he gave up. Okay, I'm going to say it's going to sell for £176,000. And uh, I would only pay um, 10 k for it because uh, that's what I think renting a property in that area would, um, would cost. So I treat it as an AST purchase. Mm. Uh, so uh, I wouldn't definitely buy this for that price. I mean, I would buy this if someone offered it to me, but no one's going to offer it me for that price. So uh, 10K is my thing. Okay, well, we covered the short leases. And uh, I think that there might be some opportunities around short leases, but uh, uh, there's a bit of a hype about this uh, marriage value being, uh, being, being uh, kind of taken away or uh, like eliminated completely. Uh, I think it will be replaced by something. Uh, and that's going to basically there will be a different formula, but it, it's not going to disappear and it's not going to make uh, these extensions free or cheap or they're still going to be fairly expensive, uh, but they will be calculated differently. And I think there will be more certainty as to how to calculate it. I agree. I think there's been a lot of hype and I think the, the headlines are really all around these freehold house, sorry, leasehold houses in the north. Um, and for those people, it's clear cut. You know, you're the only property on the freehold estate. I mean, why do you have a leasehold on a three bed detached house somewhere up north? And that's where all the headlines are going to be. 
And those people will get that married up and dissolved with limited of hassle. Mm -hmm. And then at the other end of the spectrum, there'll be short leases on in, in freehold buildings comprising other flats. And that it will be inequitable to rob the freeholder of their asset. But in the freehold house scenario, the freeholder's asset is negligible anyway. That's fine. I think what's, what kind of is already happening now is more on a planning uh, point of view, whereby if you are building new homes, I think what will, will start to come more and more into force is a planning condition on things like ground rent um, and, and that sort of thing, which, which we're already seeing at the moment. You've got to do share freehold or peppercorn ground rent. Um, and, and I think that will start to come more into play to reduce the value going forward of, of some of these leaseholds. But I, I, I agree with Ranjay, it's, it's difficult to kind of, if, if someone's gone in to put all their investment into this and suddenly they're told, actually, we're taking it away from you, uh, I, I, can mm. see, I can see how that's going to cause huge problems. Mm. Yeah, I agree with Piotr. Number 10, then maybe. Yeah, I agree with Piotr. It'll be some, they'll just, it'll be, a, it'll be a different style of calculation. It'll be paid in a different way. Maybe instead of a lump sum, it will be distributed over the length of, you know, whatever it's going to be over the length of the increased lease. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But um, the, the, the short lease, the leasehold houses in the north and in the Midlands, um, they were created so that the freeholder had control over the mineral rights beneath the properties because these oh, were in wow. a lot of mining areas. So they oh. were putting <clears throat> normally workers of the mines in, in those kind of properties. But to retain the rights over the soil, they would they would grant a lease over the house that the the occupier didn't have rights of the ground beneath. So, but that's something that's so old now, and it doesn't re doesn't apply in today's society. So, uh, definitely something that needs to be uh, addressed. Very again, in, of in history. A... I was actually wondering because we're selling a, a house in Accrington and said uh, in the auction this week, and it it was a nine hundred ninety nine year leasehold. And the solicitor said, yeah, it's pretty normal in those areas. And I was just wondering, like, why would they always do those <laughs> areas like this? But, um, yeah, now we know. Thank you, Jay. I, I, I think it has to, uh, mirroring Brand Jam's point and, and Rod's ascension on it, is it, whatever happens, it has to be equitable, but it has to be fair. And I think that's what's forcing government to make these changes. They're trying to find uh, a fairer way, um, a more considerate way, A, for the leaseholder, but B and, and normally B uh, for the, the the freeholder and the investor behind it. So uh, it's, well, it's it's still exciting times. Speaking about these holds, I think it's a good uh, a good uh, basically segue into the next lot, which is a gigantic leasehold in Coventry. So this is this is my pick. This is uh, lot number nineteen. Give us um, in um, in the Allsop um, commercial. Um, this is. West Orchard Shopping Centre, Smithford Way, uh, Coventry, West Midlands, CV11QX. It's a leasehold shopping centre investment. And this one really did grab me by the short and curlies as I was going through the catalogue. Um, because I, I, you kind of just like scroll past some things. But there's a gross initial yield of 43.31% off of a guide price of 5.5 million. Um, so that that's uh, somewhere in the region of two hundred, sorry, two million three hundred 
and £81,880.36 <laughs> pence per annum. Which I've is never a bit seen of that end of that, of that amount anywhere. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, the, the, I mean, that sounds impressive. So if you're just looking at the pure outline numbers, you're thinking, wow, this is, uh, this is, this is, this is insane. But, you know, this, this is, this is based things. over... There's a few things in there, right? Yes, yes. So I'll, I'll just go through those. Yeah. So there's a couple of things to consider. So, you know, it's 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 big. It's it's 219. Uh, it's it's massive. I mean, the square nineteen thousand square feet. Yeah, so 219,000 square feet. It's it's you know it's retail, food, and leisure over six floors. Uh, it benefits from 563 um, city centre parking spaces um, and it is let to Marks and Spencers in part on a lease expiring 2087. The shopping centres will be subject to VAT and there's an average footfall for 2019, uh, which was 7.1 million people um, in and out of the uh, in and out of the property. It is centrally located. So. If you're following a Ranjan methodology, this is CV1, which, you know, if the closer <laughs> you are to the center, the more valuable the asset will be. Um, it's a fairly good um, approximation there. Um, now, the issues, everyone should be um, aware that, uh, is it boohoo.com or someone like that have literally just bought out the online um, business for Debenhams, but they will not be buying and running the physical shops and stores so uh debenhams is unit a here and that's, um, it's, that's pretty much half of almost half of the of the whole shopping center the yeah it's, it's 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 an absolute base ninety-eight thousand square foot give or take uh, and that was on a 35-year lease from 1991 uh, and up until well they've got a rent review this year but i imagine they will not be going forward <laughs> Uh, too far at least um but i mean they were paying 357,500 per annum um now we did mention that this is a leasehold property there's a full schedule of the the tenants within there um there's some good traders in there there's thorntons there's claire's accessories there's um the perfume shop the body shop wh smiths goldsmiths obviously marks and spencers are on there for 124,000 pounds per annum with a rent review coming up this year, um, there's Bon Marche, there's Vision Express. Uh, it's a typical Peacocks. shopping centre, but what, what is about this leasehold thing? Well, the leasehold, this is where it gets really very interesting. Because it gets complicated. It kind of like, almost like the, the accommodation schedule is like typical like shopping centre in any kind of part of the UK. But this bit, it's really get things complicated, no? Well, complicated, yes, but interesting at the same time. I mean, yes. don't get me wrong. I, for, for several reasons, I wouldn't be buying something like this. And everybody no, knows I love even it. Even at 40% yield today. Well, even at 40%, yeah, you, you, couldn't, you couldn't encourage me off of it, I'm afraid. Because, I mean, even, even though, you know, for the main part of the shopping centre, you have the potential to renew for an additional 51 years. So you could, you could have that for 118 years if extended. Look yeah. It's an absolute lease. Um, but the ground rent um, payable is 7% of the rents received, less permitted deductions. So the normal permitted deductions would be, um, you, know, uh, you know, common parts um, and, and things like that, and even stores, and so like storage areas and, 
and plant rooms and things like that tend to be the, the areas where you get the permitted deductions on buildings like this. Um, yeah, and, and that's expensive um, in the grand scheme of things, you know, especially now that, that Debenhams will probably not be proceeding too far uh, into the future with this. Um, and then you have that massive space and what to do with it. There are also about five or six occupiers in there who, who have come to the end of their term. So you're, you're going to have quite, quite, yeah. a, quite a few things to discuss um, with them and, and putting, putting things into place. Um, I, I think, I think this is, a, I mean, this is being sold by a UK RIT, which is a real estate investment trust. Uh, these are not normally the types of people that sell. <laughs> um, the freehold is actually owned by um, Coventry City Council. Uh, one of the reasons why I wouldn't buy this is that the, the, the car park is actually, is, the, the full reversion of it is to um, Coventry um, City Centre. Um, so any income that's derived from that goes to them. Um, and a big part of de-risking asset like this for me is, is actually even if a fair part of it went vacant and you'd want to do something with that Debenhams as soon as possible. Um, I don't think there's many occupiers that will take up that amount of space, but there's, you know, there's, there's plenty of potential to, you know, do something else with it. Um, I would, I would have preferred to have kept that, 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 that car park income, because I think that would be a really good hedge against future losses, especially over the next hundred odd years but obviously that hundred years only applies uh, for the main part of the building for the secondary part of the building you know there's 33 years remaining um with with no uh direct option to renew so you'd have to probably go in and 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 negotiate that separately and there's no guarantee of that so i thought this would be a good one to discuss because of the complexities um and i thought it'd be good to just point out you know some of the pitfalls here this is a great discussion, Deal. Um, a couple of uh, points, really. I mean, I think no. there are too many moving parts. Anything uh, else? I just want to put aside some of the moving parts in terms of multiple leases and different end dates just for one second. I think one of the key issues is this strange ground rent calculation as being a percentage of rent. Um, that puts an extraordinarily high tax uh, pretty much on the rents received. But it's only on rents received. So when Debenhams move out, they don't, they, their ground rent actually comes down. It does stay on rents received. But this also represents a same concept as we talked about with the HSBC. The seller is a, is a REIT. Their game is not redevelopment or anything like that or repurposing. The, the, the issue here is the anchor tenant occupying nearly half the centre is going. And that whole Debenhams ain't going to be another store. I mean, you might get a bit of bargains taking up a small amount of space or a, level, a little or something like that. But that's not going to, that's only going to put a small dent into that 94,000 square foot of space that you've got to re-let. So that's going to need repurposing. And one thing that is happening, um, I mean, I'm an investor in a serviced office group. And one of the buildings they've got is uh, actually on... Uh, it sits on a shopping centre, um, and uh, that is actually going very, very well. And I actually see a lot of these places, particularly in central postcode areas, um, being repurposed. These sort of anchor tenant stores, um, it's difficult to repurpose them to residential, but they would make 
quite nice repurposing to some kind of serviced office, co-working kind of space. They're in the right zone. Um, so I, but that is not the ball game of a REIT to do. Um, so that's what Correct. you could do with it. But the problems are the 7% tax on rents and also the leases all ending at different times and no real certainty that you can tie that all together. I don't see the 7% ground rent being, a pro- being as big a problem as, as um, maybe, maybe you do. I totally agree with the office space. The concern is things like getting permission from the freeholder, trying to get the leases yeah. kind of moved in, in together. The benefit is the freeholder is the council. And normally in these situations, they want what's best. They want to keep their uh, high streets good. So you, normally you will find actually once you can get through to the right person in the council department and actually get a dialogue with them, it's likely that they will come on board with, with things. And what I'd want to be doing is if that is, um, if you are uh, changing that model to serviced offices, then you do then need to change that 7% ground rent of rent received because there will be massive operational costs involved with that. So that's... I think with that, you could could change it around so that uh, you have a a limited company that rents the space and then that limited company... You, you, exactly. You would put that on a long, on a long lease, FRI mm-hmm. lease, with a specific company again. But where I think there is opportunity is looking at, at what it's currently got. The liabilities you're going to have are for the operating of that site. So what you need to know is how much is it costing to operate the common parts, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, which will be serviced with a service charge of sorts. But obviously, the more vacant units you've got, the more the landlord is having to contribute back to those. So the 43% looks fantastic, even if you are thinking, right, we've only got it for 33 years at, at worst case part of that. Um, but I would, be, I would be looking at, right, what realistically are the operational costs? I think this would be a brilliant buy for an asset manager who's looking to turn it around and restructure some of that, um, some of the, those areas in there. Um, I do think it's a good buy. I don't think it's a, as terrifying as kind of, I know that the market may think at the moment. And I think, I think you need a flexible outfit who's a bit more entrepreneurial than someone like a REIT, as, uh, as Ranjan's kind of alluded to. It's, it's certainly not within their remit. Um, but I think that could be, this could end up being a fantastic buy for someone over the next few years. Um, I think there's an awful lot of opportunity for, for a, a good operator. And just to tag on to that, I think um, I, I agree with that. And I think also it's going to be a, uh, the price that it'll go for will reflect the fact that it's going to be a right pain to finance. Yeah. This is going to be an established entrepreneur who can probably leverage funding off other assets they already own in order to buy this uh, without much debt on this asset, because I don't see anyone lending on this, and that's going to affect the price. I would expect it to be more of a, a small fund or small family office type type yes. outfit to be buying this probably in cash and, and, and to be looking at it a bit more, more long-term. It, it, does, it does smack of family office as a purchaser for me, because 
they're the type of asset manager or asset worker who is going to go into this and think, right, where there's muck, there's money. Um, and, you know, having, having Debenhams on that, that, that square footage with that kind of percentage of the income leaving, you know, there's, there is a great deal of potential there. You know, even if you were to go through the service um, office prop co-op code kind of situation, I, I, think, I think there's a lot of value there. And I don't think that I don't think the local. Um... The key with this is working out what the operational costs are going to be, and how much of that seven percent ground rent will be eaten up by that. Because if you factor it in, it might not just be a seven percent cost. If your operational costs are high, it could, in reality, be more kind of twenty percent once you factor in actually the operational costs that will come against the rent from the... From By the way, Rod, it says net of operating costs. Oh, does it? Okay. It says 7%, but last year, as an indication, they paid 6.8. They have permitted deductions, didn't they? But it depends what permitted means. You're right. Yeah. And permitted is unlikely to include office. No. No one would have thought of that. No. <laughs> That's a good point. What are the predictions for selling? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with mine, because I think this is... Uh, this is going to sell prior to the auction for undisclosed amount. <laughs> I, I think, I was just about to say, it's, it's interesting that it's been in auction and I would imagine there's already buyers agreed, but it's got to be seen to be going into an auction because of who is selling it. Um, so they're getting best price. So I would imagine there's probably agents been working behind the scenes to get something agreed. And like you say, I would... I don't think it will sell in the room. I think it will sell before or after. Mm -hmm. I agree. What would you pay for this? It's so difficult to know without understanding what those costs are going to be of, of, of you having to operate it. And More you or less, say you've got 50 million in your account and you're like, you need to buy something before the end of the tax year. And, and this seems like a... I, pro I probably wouldn't go for this just because no. because too, it, too many moving parts. There's a lot of liabilities in there. It, it, you need an established team, um, mm. I think, that's going to be able to to go and do this. Yeah, I think yeah. also there are plenty of these shopping centres coming up which are purely freehold. Yeah, and those are better deals to be had. If you're going to do the work, you want to own the land. That's a good that, point. That's my view. Yeah, the last two sessions we've done, there's been one in each, hasn't there? So yes. that gives yeah. you an indication already. Yeah. And, and I think this is the best located shopping centre like we've ever seen in the auctions because there was a lot of those shopping centres in Scotland and there was one in Wales. Yeah. yeah. But city centre, Coventry, right bang in the city centre, that's, a, that's yeah. a new one. It's a good location. I'm still getting uh, hate mail for the comments I made about real in the last one. But... <laughs> uh, and how is Blackpool and Hull? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you you're the, uh, you need to uh, apply for political asylum in London. <laughs> in the Isle of Wight, I think. <laughs> it's safe to go down there. Okay, brilliant. Well, um, let's let's move on to the next lot, which is uh, your one, uh, Ranjan. It's a Starbucks lot, 
Yeah. So um, what we're looking at is a, um, you know, I, as, as has been said earlier, I love corner plots. Um, they're normally in prime locations. So it's, uh, there's usually demand basically on any high street or anything like that. When you're looking at the letability and viability of the commercial unit, uh, there are always more people interested in a corner position simply because of the signage. You have return, you have two lots of shop fronts basically on a corner. And that means that you can't miss it. And uh, really, um, retail premises are about being like a sort of Venus flytrap. You want to be as open as possible to attract all these footfall that go past. So you're more likely to um, attract the attention of people if you're on a corner site. So it's nice corner location. Um, that means that it's in a good spot within a generally okay location. Um, what you're buying is a big clump of property, but don't get excited uh, too early on because the flats are all sold off on long leases. So there's only a ground rent income from that. But what you are looking at is a £100,000 a year rent um, from the ground floor unit, which is let to um, Starbucks. So it says here it's let to Starbucks Coffee UK Limited, and it says sublet. Now, I haven't actually delved into the legal pack but um, what, I, what I would gather from that is that it's, it's let to Starbucks and they have probably sublet it to one of their franchisees. It's a very common um, model. That, that Soul sort of... Coffee House Limited. Yes. So Soul Coffee House Limited is the franchisee. They let it off Starbucks, but your agreement is with, um, is, is with Starbucks uh, and you're getting 100K a year. Um, so the important thing to check out during COVID times is, are they paying the rent? It's guided at about 775. Um, once you've determined whether they are paying their rent during COVID, the other thing that people are missing, I think, is that they're getting a bit carried away with a, you shouldn't make short-term, you shouldn't make long-term decisions based on short-term issues. Currently, we have a little bit of an issue where some commercial tenants aren't paying their rent. We also have an issue that there's a moratorium on um, getting uh, non-paying tenants out. But these will end, and we are vaccinating people at record rates. Um, you know, we will be out of this by the, definitely by the end of the year. Uh, so uh, it is actually a very good um, position to be in, to be able to pick up commercial assets that yield a decent yield, quite frankly, in a time where some people are uncertain, but the longer term investors are looking at light at the end of the COVID tunnel, tunnel and returning to some, some form of normality. Now, once we're out of COVID, of course, that corner position is highly lettable, it's highly bankable. The other problem that a lot of people have got is, that, is, is the problem of cash. Um, now, the, the, we've done so much quantitative easing. You know, the, the Biden have now said that he's printing a $1.9 trillion worth of money. And what that means is that when, 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 when Biden prints tons of money in the UK and in other countries, they can print tons of money. Because when you compare the exchange rate to what is the world's reserve currency, it doesn't look that bad. So we're doing a lot of money printing in the UK. So anyone with cash is finding that the value of the money that they've got in the bank is actually on a downward turn quite dramatically. And they want to protect that. So to me, I see someone saying, look, I've got money in the bank. 
I got negative interest rates, possibly 50-50, whether that comes in. The value of my money in the bank is going down. Um, this is Slough. It's a reasonably okay area. It's a nice site. It's let to a decent tenant. Yes, we've got COVID restrictions, but we're going to be out of that in six months. Um, it's, it, on, a, on the guide price, it's about a 12% yield as is. You know, um, even if it went for 8 9%, you know, it's still a good, good bet. And it's a good income-producing asset in the long term. So for that reason, I think this will be um, quite well sought after. I agree. I, th- I think the return frontage uh, in this position of the high street just really gives good credence to being able to relet it. I mean, your zone A there makes that very, very, um, a very, very high rental value asset. This is basically 2,320 square feet of space. So even at uh, this rent, that's just under, that's about 18 pounds per square foot. Well, like you say, Jay, there's a lot of zone A in here. Like yeah. it's, it's A, 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 maybe a little bit of B and C. Yeah. I, I think you've got to look at who the buyer type is for this. And um, personally, for me, I would want something where I can add some value to it. And I'm not sure there's any value to be added on this. I think what it's great for is an income-producing asset to anyone to buy in their pension, yes. that type of thing. Absolutely. Uh, it will be absolutely great. It's as solid as a rock type thing. It's really a bond uh, kind of acting uh, asset in, in your portfolio. So I think that's where you're going to have, you're going to have those buyers looking at it. Um, and absolutely, why not? Why wouldn't you want something like that in there? Like you said, corner plot, loads of frontage, decent quality building, good quality tenant, um, decent decent lease. It, it, it ticks all those boxes. The only one for me personally, it doesn't tick is just that value add. But again, there's other people that have different wants and needs to me, such as the, the income with less hassle and all that sort of stuff, which I think it will be um, a, a great buy. So I'm going to say uh, 8% yield. Maybe I, I think that I think if you can get it for an eight percent yield, that's a bloody good price. Um, yeah. And of course, decent coffee. But I, I think you may <laughs> have. Uh, um, um, I mean, it's a long shot, and I don't think you should ever buy at auction for this sort of reason. But there may be some development potential because if you look at the, it, it, it's not just a Starbucks, and it look it's a modern construction. So with the new PD rights that came in in September, there may be some action there to... Yeah, uh, yeah. It depends on, on, on what top. those roofs are. If, those, if they're pitched, you could probably put another a floor on there, possibly. Um, so there may be some action, but I never buy it on with that no. in mind, but there is something. So Rod already said 8%, right? Well, I'll, I'm going to... No, I'm going to go down a bit to, to seven and a half, so... Seven and a half percent. That'll be around 1.25 million. Wow. Okay. You guys are optimistic. I think I should underwrite it. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think for, for Slough, um, what? Uh, I, th- I think, I think 10%, I, te- I think if someone picks up at 10%, I think they've, they, I think that's a solid long-term play. And I think the, the lease to Starbucks is, is, is low, isn't it? It's, it's not there for the next hundred two years. Left. It's two years left. Two years. I, th- I think 10% on two years, knowing that in two years, Starbucks will, will stay 
more 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 than they would leave, uh, I'd be comfortable with a ten percent on that. I hadn't realised there was two years left. I thought it was um, over ten. So yeah, that will affect it. You will be able to relet it, um, but my sus- suspicion is that at the end of that two years, that hundred grand may be challenged a little bit, no. and you may have to relet it to them at a little bit less, maybe eighty-five, ninety. So I'd be looking at it based on, um, yeah, you got you got that for now, but you haven't got that rent forever, and be prepared to it for it to come down a little bit. I'm thinking about about nine hundred ish, because I think I think most people will factor in that the fact that the that the rent current rent of a hundred will will probably come down to about eighty five, mm-hmm. because the thing with Starbucks is yes, you can say to them that you know, go away, I'll rent it to someone else, but you're unlikely to get someone as prestigious as that. Um, it's a hassle to get someone as prestigious as that. And you've got someone like that, so you might as well keep them even at a less yeah. rent. But the beauty of it is you'll be buying it today based on, if you buy it today on the assumption you're going to get 100 grand forever, that's not great. If you buy it today based on two years' time, you're likely to get 85 grand, a new lease, then you can get a stonking deal. Yeah. I think I think it's going to sell for about nine twenty five, and uh, someone who wants the income for the next two years is it actually two years or where exactly? No, I agree. I, I I was going to say about nine fifty, but yeah, we're we're on the same page. I'll go a million and fifty. Million and oh. 50. okay. Pure <laughs> <laughs> pressure, Rod, huh? Yeah, I, once once I, if it was a ten year remaining, then yeah, I'd be a bit. Yeah. Okay, good. The next lot is... Right, so this is lot 12 of the Allsop auction. Um, It's 49 Woodcote Road in Wallington, SM60LG. It's the Santander Bank, which is on High Street, uh, guided at 475,000 to 525,000. It's got a existing gross yield of just shy of 7%, uh, 220 square metres. It's been in occupation by Santander for 20 years, um, and there is a recent, uh, it, it recently renewed its lease just, I think, last month. Um, and I think I'm right in saying there's a break uh, in five years. I saw that somewhere. There's a reverse. Um, so it's not too bad. They, they, they're confident in that area, which is why they've got a new, they, they, they signed up for, for another five years just last month. No, they have only done five years because I guess they just want to see how it's going to, how things are going to go. And um, they've got the whole building. So if you look at it, it's um, shop front with what looks like your typical Victorian residential uppers. Um, and they're 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 used at the moment as um, as sort of storage, I guess, or offices. I mean, that's crying out to be converted into residential mm-hmm. um, in, a, in a in a nice part of town. So I think that that's the obvious one where you've got some decent kind of values as well for residential, which would do well there. Um, so again, it's kind of a, a similar to the last one. You're looking at what is the worst case scenario is is having the tenant in as a worst case, and then what potential um, uplift could you do for 
if and when they leave. Um, and for me, that would be residential on the uppers, uh, which would which would um, which would give the, just just the residential part a value of um, a bit over five hundred grand, probably more towards five fifty. And then you've still got that um, that high street presence on on the ground floor. So it's a it's a fairly kind of it's a bit more vanilla than some of the stuff we've looked at so far. Um, but yeah, that's it. Yeah, and so this one is uh, part of a bigger portfolio being sold, about 15-something deaths in this auction. Yeah. And this whole portfolio is being sold by this, uh, this, this same seller, Maple Columbus Limited. And this is pretty much like um, one of the largest uh, commercial landlords in the UK. And uh, but their, their main strategy is to actually uh, add value to like those commercial assets and sell them on, but they add value through leases. So yeah. they just signed up all those 15 leases with something there for their five years from December and all of those are put in the auction. So pretty much right now with every month that passes, it passes from that five years, the value of this asset uh, is kind of deteriorating. So it's the best time to sell it because we have a five-year lease. I don't always look at it like that because you, you can look at the bank has gone in there and they've, obviously put some money in by having to move site and start getting operations set up. And they're always unlikely to do that unless they're looking at, like, do we want to be here for the foreseeable future? Having the break in the end of lease is their, is their safety net, really. So they're not going to look at it going, we are leaving in five years. They'll probably be looking at it, right, we want to stay here as long as it's viable, but as our safety net, we can leave at that five-year term. So I think, yeah, you're absolutely right. It is reducing the value as time goes on. But you've still got a decent bank in a high street location um, paying pretty good money, and there's some, some uplift on the uppers as well. And they've taken the whole the whole building, which I found was, was quite interesting. And a bit like one of the ones we discussed, if at five years, I would expect that if the, um, they might, you could uh, quite easily renegotiate that to be just the ground floor and you take the uppers off them. That's right. Yeah, that would be the play. I, I, think, I think this one is really good to be discussed in, uh, in, uh, like together with the one that I suggested, yeah. which is the, uh, something that sold by the same seller in uh, Chingford. And uh, this one is offered with a yield of 6.751%, so slightly less than, uh, than the one in, 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 in Wellington. However, this one, there's a few things that uh, I noticed for a kind of our research that make it very interesting. And uh, those are the, the things. So it's in Chingford. It's kind of outside of the, the main Chingford area. It's kind of, uh, I'll show you on the map. It's... Uh, it's kind of more to Chingford Mount and the main Chingford is over here. So it's still Chingford, but what I really liked about this property is the fact that it's got clearly development potential going upwards. Um, number two is the rent is really low. It's 23,500 pounds. It's fairly easily replaceable, I think, for the, the building of this size because it's fully led to something there. 
got big development potential. It's it, the rent isn't uh, overinflated for an asset like this. It's a fairly good uh, residential area. Plus, the look at the accommodation schedule. It says that the first floor is only 231 square feet, and all those numbers were taken from the uh, the VOA website. However. We looked at this quite in depth in our auction buyers club uh, calls, and uh, let's uh, look at the map of it. Because I bet that first floor is massively bigger than 231 square feet, and the VOA office, for some reason, they only put 231 in there. So that will be the chargeable space, I would imagine, under business rates, whereas they might, what, what Santander might have done is then proportioned off part of it as, as uh, maybe storage or something like that. And maybe the auction house has just misinterpreted that. I, I, I think that is a big opportunity. That happens quite often. Um, we, we've actually bought buildings like this and they take the measurements off the VOA and now because of COVID, they do that. But the VOA only measures space that's assessed for business rates. And these will always have safes and vault space. And often those are walk-in vaults. They are walk-in vaults. And they're the size of rooms. I mean, in it, we bought one which you can fit a one-bedroom flat in. But that mm -hmm. wasn't on the VOA uh, as a measured area for rateable value. So mm -hmm. it's basically free space uh, once you've got the vault out. Um, yeah, and and this building, uh, this is the this is the building. So downstairs is according to the plans is uh, one thousand four hundred square feet. Uh, so when you look at the map, if that's one thousand four hundred square feet, then this has to be at least one third or just above. So this would have to be about four hundred fifty to five hundred square feet. Mm. Um, and even comparing to those buildings there. So I think there's a lot of space that's uh, not accounted for. And also given the rent is low, you can pick up this asset based on the yield because normally those assets sell, sell based on yield. So if the rent is low, the mm -hmm. actual capital value of the property will be low uh, relatively to what it actually could be. So um, I, I think... Uh, the, the two assets are very similar. Uh, I think this one is just more centrally located given the bigger town center, a shopping center. Uh, well, this one is uh, in a very affluent area, but slightly off main center, main town center. Now, um, let me, do, uh, I've got a couple of things to say on this one, but I, I'd say firstly on your Chingford one, Mm -hmm. It's very interesting. They've got a number of Santander bank buildings in the auction sale. It's interesting that they've picked this one to feature as lot number one. Mm. And I would um, suggest that's to set the tone for the rest of the Santander lots in the sale. So they've mm. picked one in a prosperous area. The thing with prosperous areas is there are prosperous people there and um, who have money. And a lot of those folks will be looking at you know, they walk by this every day. They walk by this for their cup of coffee and all of that. They live in the area and they quite fancy um, parking that away as part of their pension. And um, you tend to find this all the time. So it, it, a similar building in a less affluent area 
doesn't attract that sort of local interest because no one has that sort of money in the bank in the, in the local surrounding area. So I would suggest the reason they've put this particular bank as lot number one is to set the tone for the rest of the catalogue and some of the other Santander lots further on. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, it's certainly got the development potential more than the other ones that I've seen. Um, so, yeah. I, I yeah that's that's a very good thinking I, I I didn't think of it like that but um yeah actually because of they've got like 15 of the same kind of type of asset if this one sells for five percent yield and it might then it kind of it will set the tone for the other something there's to sell for similar amounts and uh, I mean Jay I mean since you've worked in the auction industry is there a science behind where lots actually feature in a catalogue, or is it just a toss-up of, of a dice? Well, no. Where, where I, the the auction firm that I worked in, there was there was pure science behind it. There, it wasn't just a case of oh, you know, this goes here or that goes there. There is there is a science behind um, putting certain lots uh, at certain intervals to keep the bidding busy. That was very much the case for the in-room auctions. I imagine, uh, you know, the firm that I worked for, they do the live stream, so not much would have changed there. But um, you, if you had three or four similar types of properties in, in, in the catalogue, you would probably put the more attractive one first, as you say, to set the tone. Um, it's, that's a very interesting point, uh, a very, very interesting point to make, one that probably a lot of people wouldn't have done initially. Brilliant. The other thing I'd say about these um, Santander ones is that there is, a, and Rod picked up on this, um, there isn't a, there's just a trend towards shorter leases. Um, people don't want to commit, even big companies with sound businesses. Uh, um, I think Santander are likely to stay in the prosperous areas. They tend to like to stay in those locations. It's the unprosperous areas they want to move out of. But that being said, they still want the flexibility of shorter leases. But the problem this has for landlords is that if, you're, if you had a 20-year lease and now you've got a five-year lease, it actually robs some of the value of the freehold. But the, the way to look at this is that robbing of value has already happened with the, exist, the existing owner has taken that hit. And now you've got to look at it based on a five-year lease to a great tenant. Um, and my view is value it based on a five-year lease and value it based on if it became empty, are you better off with, it pro with the property being empty because it's got development potential? If that's the case, then that's great. What have you got to lose? Right. Yep. Then, then you have to consider the, the price you're going to pay at some kind of hedge level, right? Uh, and that, that, makes it, that means that you're not necessarily paying for a price on yield at the current market rate, you're, you're kind of future-proofing to a degree. And that's where the next question becomes really very interesting. How much would you pay for it or how much do you think it would sell for? Uh, which one should we start with? Should we start with the Wallington one then? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay. This one is going to sell for about... I think both are going to sell. This one, 5.5%. And the other one, five point two five percent. Well, I think I think that's too high actually for this one. I think I think because I I would be buying this as a yield, as a yield play, for the next five years, assuming that in five years time you then get the uplift. And I think 
a 5.5% yield is too expensive to wait that long because look at who the buyers are going to be for it. You've got to have someone right in the middle of you're prepared to do work, but you're also want to leave, leave it and collect the income. And so you are in a bit of no man's land there. So I, I would, I think it will be going not far over that guide price, I would have thought. So around 525, 550? Yeah, I'd say let's go with 540. 540, okay. Well, I'm, 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 I, I would, I, I think you're probably right. That's probably the kind of area it would sell at, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be any more than 500 on this myself. And Ranjan, what do you say? We, we bought something before Christmas, a double shop, a double shop. Um, the shops are let and yes. the two floors were vacant offices, which were, which, so, and we bought it on the basis of five and a half percent yield on the income producing shops. But what we have is the ability, and we're putting in permitted development at the moment to put to, to convert the offices into flats above. So the the conversion potential is immediate, mm. as opposed to not waiting. So we paid five and a half percent yield based on the shop income, but we have immediate development potential on the upstairs because it's empty and we can do it now. Mm. So based on that, I would expect a much higher yield if I don't have that immediate uplift potential um so i would be looking at pretty similar to guide actually if i'm five years away from putting spade in the ground and doing some conversion works okay so around 525 for this one no I, i'd say much higher so i think it's much oh. more at the guide price certainly not uh, i'd be looking much for more than the guide price. Half, in excess of six and a half. Oh, so so you mean I, I, I'd want more yield, basically, because I can't put spade in the ground and do the conversion works for okay. minimum five years. Okay, so around 475, you would pay for this? Yeah. Okay, got it. I, I'm, I'm going to be bullish. I think this is going to sell for about 5.5% yield, and which is 600K. And, and this one, uh, I'm going to save in 5.25%, which uh, would be what? 447K. Okay, maybe that's a little lot, lot. 4.25. If you enjoy the broadcast, please don't forget to give us an iTunes review. There's a link in the show notes to do that. It just helps other listeners find our podcast. And if you're interested in what any of our guests do, please look into the show notes for their details. Also, if you're interested in the property businesses that I'm involved in or in my consultancy services, please do contact me via the email you guessed it it's in the show notes don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss any new episodes as they come out thanks again for listening hope you enjoyed it